Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. He's no stranger to our church. Um, he is on staff down at uh, Crown College. What's, what's the church name? Temple Baptist Church is the church under which Crown College operates. And Pastor Sexton is the, the pastor there and is the president of the college. Um, Brother James was a number of years working over in uh, England, establishing a presence for the college over there, and the Lord used him greatly. And would probably, as I understand it, and he can correct me, uh, would be there today, but for the fact that his son, Will, uh, contacted, some, uh, contacted E. coli. And uh, it's really been a challenge to the family. And he just told me, out of that same outbreak, sadly, ten other children lost their lives. And so we are grateful that uh, Will is with us. It's, it's been a tough road, and that's one of the reasons they're not back in England. So come and update us on Will, who we have been praying for, will continue to pray for, and uh, your ministry there, and then, then preach to us. James, it's always a pleasure to, I guess it's fair to say, welcome you back home. So you come. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here, and we're grateful to have the opportunity and thankful for Pastor McMorris and the invitation to speak this evening. My wife and children are here. Uh, my daughter's in the Bible class, and my wife is in the back lobby because William just fell asleep. It was quite a project to get him to sleep, so we're, we're grateful. He's doing a little better, and we're very thankful. There were a number of other uh, children last year that contracted E. coli food poisoning, and we're thankful that William's doing well, and uh, they're, they're recovering, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. And uh, some serious things that happened that uh, we didn't foresee, but the Lord knew and has helped us through. And I want to thank everyone here. So many of you have prayed for us and said that you've been praying, and we're very grateful for that. So God's been so good to us, and we're thankful for William's improvement. And hopefully uh, he'll be awake at the end of the service to uh, say hello and smile at everybody. So he's good at smiling. We're grateful for that and very grateful for God's goodness in keeping us and helping us. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the New Testament book of John, chapter 10. And just for a few moments this evening, we'll look at this passage, John chapter 10. And God has been very kind to us. He's allowed us to be there in Knoxville, and we've been helping at the college and at the church as we're able to, and are thankful for those opportunities. But it's great to be back in this part of the world where it's not almost 100 degrees and with almost 100% humidity in, in many times like it is down in the south. So it's nice to be up here where there's a breeze and uh, hear people with proper accents. That's always a good thing as well. So that's good. John chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in verse 37 and read to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> the Bible says here, as Christ is speaking, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. And there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. 
and many believed on him there. And I'd like to draw your attention to a phrase we find in verse 41 that as I was reading this passage really jumped off the page and caught my attention and I thought this was a very interesting statement that the Bible makes. We wouldn't really know about John the Baptist if it weren't for this verse. Uh, The gospel record of John is the one that we're reading, but it tells us about another John, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and it mentions him in this verse. I'd like you to notice verse 41, our text. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. And I've underlined in my Bible in verse 41 this very interesting phrase, John did no miracle. What does that mean? And what significance does that have for us? Why should we really pay much attention to it? Or why would that apply to your life and my life today? Well, the context of John chapter 10 is the Lord Jesus Christ really preparing to go to the cross. He gives a great discourse on how he is the great shepherd of the sheep. And the next chapter, he'll raise Lazarus from the dead. And in John chapter 12, he'll go to supper at Bethany. And then chapters 13 through 17 really give an account of that last night before he went to the cross and died for our sin and was buried and rose again from the dead. And so this is a very meaningful part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he is in an area where he had not been previously for some time, there are people there that recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. And I find it very interesting that The only way they know who Jesus Christ is, is from the testimony that John the Baptist gave, not last week or last month or even last year, but a minimum of two years prior, if not even three years prior to Jesus Christ coming to this part of uh, what we would call Israel today. Well, I'd like to use that phrase, John did no miracle, and really uh, challenge all of us and encourage all of us that every one of us have limitations in our own abilities to be a witness for Christ. Perhaps you think, if I had the voice that George Whitfield had when he came to the colonies, and it said that almost 40% of all of the colonists heard George Whitfield in person when he was alive. That's an amazing thing. Ben Franklin said that if you stood a mile away from George Whitfield when he was preaching, you could hear every word enunciated precisely. He had a booming voice, George Whitfield, with no amplifier, no microphone. He'd say, if I had a voice like George Whitfield, I could be a witness. Or maybe if you were like John Wesley and you could ride on horseback for 250,000 plus miles and see churches started and see people Uh, getting the gospel and hearing the truth about Jesus Christ. If you said, if I was a bit like John Wesley, I'd be a great witness, but you don't understand. I'm not like George Whitfield. I don't have his voice, and I'm not like John Wesley. I don't even own a horse, and I surely can't be a great witness. I don't know how you feel. But oftentimes, I feel like I'm not nearly as good of a witness as I should be, and I'm certainly not near as good of a witness as other people are. Perhaps you think your personality isn't necessarily tailored really well to be a gospel witness. If it were up to me, I'd never talk to anyone. I'm naturally very shy. But my father was a very outgoing, gregarious person. He never met a stranger. And I'll call it the direct approach when he took to witnessing. We'd go to a Shell gas station, and we'd pull up, and he'd say to the person pumping gas right across from him, as I would sit in the car and listen, say, you see that sign? What does that sign say? 
shall, the person would say. Well, take the S off the front of that word, and that's where you're going to end up if you don't get saved, he'd say. He took the direct approach. Interesting. I, I thought, I, I don't think I could ever be a witness like that. I don't know as I'd recommend you ever be a witness like that. But he took the direct approach. I always thought, I could never do that. Have you ever been, someone mentioned tonight, they were around someone else who's a witness and sees uh, a lot of fruit and perhaps they don't see as much as that person does. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? All of us say, well, I wish I had those abilities or that personality or that gift. And if I had that, then I could be the witness I should be for Jesus Christ. But John the Baptist here gives us an understanding of something very special, that every one of us have limitations. And yet those limitations shouldn't stopping us from being the person God made us to be, the Christian God saved us to be, to point other people to Jesus Christ, the one who ultimately does all the saving. Isn't it wonderful you and I can't save and don't have the ability to save anyone? God is the one who is the author of salvation, and Jesus Christ is the Savior. Our task, like John the Baptist, is to point people to the Savior who can save them. And so as we look at our text this evening, I hope you'll be encouraged by some of these truths. First of all, notice the restriction of John's witness. The Bible tells us here, in a very interesting phrase, John did no miracle. Now I find that particularly intriguing because the Old Testament prophet that John the Baptist is compared to is Elijah, the miracle worker. He's the one who did so many miracles, at least Bible students tell us, at least 14 amazing supernatural miracles that Elijah performed in the Old Testament. And John the Baptist is referred to as a person like Elijah. And yet, unlike Elijah, John the Baptist could never perform one single miracle. He had an amazing inability to do this. Think about not only the Old Testament prophets, but the New Testament believers. Turn with me just for a moment, hold your place in John 10, to Luke chapter 9 for a moment. I want you to notice that here, in the New Testament, there are other people who are doing phenomenal miracles. And I want to point out in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, who some of these people were. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, Then called he his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, notice the end of verse 2, and to heal the sick. Who were these people? Well, the people that were called Christ's twelve disciples. One of those people was Bartholomew. We don't know a whole lot about Bartholomew, but in... John the Baptist and Bartholomew, who was the person that could do the miracles? Bartholomew. Think about this. Not only could Bartholomew and Philip and James the Less, but someone else could do miracles when John the Baptist couldn't. Who was that? Judas Iscariot. Isn't that amazing? You put John the Baptist in one side and Judas Iscariot in the other side and say, which one of the two could do the most amazing miracles? John the Baptist would have to sit down. He couldn't do any miracles at all. And he didn't have the ability that even Judas the Iscariot and Philip and James the Less and Bartholomew, the disciples of Christ, had, and yet he had an assignment. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1 just for a moment. And let's look at John's assignment And I think you'll find it's an assignment that all of us have been given and 
some sense. John chapter 1, the Bible tells us in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. In John chapter 1, verse 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. And just as John the Baptist was sent to point people to the Savior, Jesus Christ, you and I have been sent. We'll not take the time to turn there this evening, uh, but in John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus Christ tells those of us who know him, even as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so just as John the Baptist had been given an assignment to point people to Christ, you and I who know the Savior have been given the very same assignment to be a witness to that light, a witness that Jesus Christ changes lives. And do you remember what John said in chapter 1, in John chapter 1 and verse 29? John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching. And what did John the Baptist say? He said what? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. That's the assignment you and I have. And it will do no good for us to just compare ourselves to everybody else and say, well, I come up short. I don't have the gifts or the abilities, the personality. I don't have all of the, the tools perhaps others do to witness. So I'll not witness like I should. No, John the Baptist, even though he had an inability to perform miracles as others did, he did not allow that to stop him from obeying God's command and fulfilling his own assignment. And he was fulfilling his obedience I'm encouraged to know this, that it is not up to our personality or our skill set or our abilities that makes us successful witnesses. It is rather something different. Would you turn with me, holding your place there in John chapter 10, to Romans chapter 1. And we know this, but it's often helpful to be encouraged. Where does the power in our witness really lie? Is it in the patter we have? Is it in the used car dealership? Uh, schmooze that we put on? <laughs> is it in some trick of the tongue or, or some way to slide in there? No. The power is not in our personality. It's not in our giftedness. Romans chapter 1, the Bible tells us in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What we have is the gospel, which is more powerful than anything else in all the world. Somebody said, well, what about a nuclear bomb? Oh, a nuclear bomb is powerful. It can blow many things apart, but the gospel is even more powerful yet because when the gospel comes into someone's life, it puts everything back together right. And we have the power of the gospel. Secondly, notice something else here back in our text in John chapter 10. The reality of this gospel witness. John the Baptist had a reality in his life, and it was to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll notice with me, chapter 10 and verse 41, the latter part of the verse, the Bible says this, All things that John spake of this man, speaking of Christ, were true. And though John did no miracle, he could tell about the miracle that had happened in his own life. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Though you and I don't have the power to do miracles today, like the disciples in the New Testament had, you and I, if we know Christ, all have had a miracle happen in our lives. We've all been brought from death to life, Ephesians chapter 2 teaches us. We've all been brought from the power of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son and the kingdom of light. That's a miracle. If we've been saved, we've experienced a miracle we can tell other people about. And if all you ever have is your testimony, you have an amazingly powerful tool to point people to the one who can save them. 
there's something here about John. Notice what he did. The Bible says this, all things that John spake of this man were true. He was a talking witness. Now, I know that our lives should match our witness. We shouldn't just say good things about Jesus and then live like the devil. But the fact is, if Christ has changed our lives, we should speak to people about what Christ has done in our lives. Someone has said it this way, there are five gospel records. Somebody who knows their Bible says, no, that's not really correct. There are four gospel records. What are they? Let's say them together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. That's the fifth gospel record. You. You're the fifth gospel record. You're the person who's been changed by the power of the gospel, and you have an opportunity to speak to people about the power of God and the wonderful Savior we know, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a wonderful thing to be a speaking witness, as John was. And then he was faithful. The Bible says here, all things that John spake of this man were true. His lips matched his life. I remember going to a, a fair in England, and it was uh, they have kiosks, these little tents that they'll set up. And on market day in a village, they'll have maybe dozens of these little places, and hundreds of people will come to buy fresh vegetables or buy toys or things for their kitchen. And there were, were people everywhere except that one kiosk, and it was a kiosk that was selling patches and gum to help people stop smoking. Nobody was there. I thought, that's an interesting thing, until I saw sitting in the booth, the proprietor of the booth, who was selling quit-smoking gum and quit-smoking patches, was doing what? Smoking. And no one wanted to go to his booth for obvious reasons. It must not work too well. Well, in our Christian lives, some of us live that way, don't we? Uh, Some of us maybe should take the bumper stickers off our car that say, follow Jesus, and we we drive like the devil himself. That, That might not be a good advertisement. The truth is this, our lives and our lips should match. And Jesus Christ, who saved us and changed our lives, we should be living in a way where we're not ashamed to tell other people that we are Christians and that Christ has saved us. And John was that person. What he said was true. I'd like to just briefly give an illustration about a man in Sydney, Australia, who since 1937, for over 30 years, tried to be a witness. He was in the Navy, in the British Navy, and he was saved from a life of of compulsive gambling. And when he became a Christian, he said, I want to do everything I can to tell other people about Christ. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a preacher. He was a simple man. But he made a commitment and he said, God, if you'll help me, I'd like to at least approach 10 people every day and just ask them, if you died... Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? That's all he said. He, he didn't give them Bible verses. He was too shy, really. If you study a little bit about his life, he had trouble memorizing things. And so he would just ask him that simple question. And so beginning in 1937, on a place called George Street in Sydney, Australia, he would accost people and say, Excuse me, sir, may I ask you a question? If you were to die, would you spend eternity in heaven or in hell? Thank you, sir. I just wanted to ask you that question. That's all he'd say. And for over 30 years, he'd try for 10 people a day to ask that question successfully. And after 30 years, Parkinson's disease set in. He he wasn't able to get out like he used to. And a pastor came and visited him and said, How many people, after 30 years of trying to be a witness to 10 people a day, how many people do you know who've really ever trusted Christ and gone on to walk with the Lord? And he said, Not a single person that I know of. 
Isn't that a discouraging thing to witness and tell people about Christ and maybe you hand out gospel tracts or invite people to church and no one ever seems to respond? The third point I'd like to give you here is the result of a gospel witness. Notice verse 42. The Bible says here in John chapter 10, and many believed on him there. Now it's important to know who the him is in verse 42. The him is Jesus Christ. Many believed on Jesus Christ in this area And the result of a gospel witness, we have to understand there's a time lapse between John chapter 10 and way back in John chapter 6, four chapters ago, when John the Baptist is put to death. He's beheaded by Herod. And so at least two, if not three years have passed since John the Baptist came into this area beyond Jordan and said, someone is going to come and they are going to be the Lamb of God, this is what they will say, this is what they will act like, this is what they will do, and for two or three years, that witness had ended. And then Christ arrives. And when Jesus Christ comes, without any photographs, without any voice recordings, without Facebook to identify who he was, without any technology that we know today, people said, that must be the Savior. That must be Jesus Christ because everything John the Baptist said would be true of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is true about this person who's speaking to us. And all the things that John the Baptist said about the Lord Jesus Christ were true. And in that two-year period of time, do you believe the Holy Spirit was working in people's lives to show them their need of Christ? Do you believe God was arranging details in people's hearts to show them their need of salvation? And at that very moment, Christ comes into this area beyond Jordan and people say, say that is the savior because john the baptist told us who would come and all things john the baptist told us were true and the bible says many believed on him there and that is the result of a gospel witness what do you think ever happened to that man in sydney australia his name was frank jenner on a very late bible study in England, a pastor of a Baptist church there named Francis Dixon said, would anyone like to give a testimony? And a man stood up and he said, yes, I was in Sydney, Australia, just my last assignment in the Navy, and I was walking down George Street, and a little man walked out of a door, and he said to me a question I'll never forget, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? And that bothered me so much that I went to my chaplain And I got a Bible, and I read through the Bible, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. A.C. Dixon, or I'm sorry, Francis Dixon went on to another meeting in New Zealand. And while he was there, a man stood up and had a very similar story. He said, I was in the British Army, and I was stationed in Australia. And a man in Georgia Street in Sydney stepped out of a building and asked me, if you were died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And he said, I went back to my barracks, and I got on my knees, and I trusted Christ, and I'm a Christian now. He went on to Adelaide in Australia. He went on to Melbourne. And in Adelaide and in Melbourne, he had people give the same testimony. And he began to write these testimonies down. Back in England, he met a man who is the head now of a Bible society who had met for the first time someone giving him that question, a little man on George Street in Sydney. He went to India and spoke at a missionary convention where one of the head of the, the whole Punjabi district of missionaries said, I was a tourist in Sydney, Australia, and a man came out of a door and asked me a question about if I'd go to heaven or hell. And 
Mr. Dixon began to make a note of things. He found a director of mission work of over 25 churches in Jamaica who was saved as a result of this man on George Street in Sydney. He came to the United States and found a pastor of a large church in Chicago who had been saved as a result of the witness of this man in George Street. And so going back to Sydney, meeting now this man who is aged, Parkinson's had done its work. He was still able to communicate And Dr. Dixon said, do you know of anything that's happened? And he said, I don't know of anyone, no one who's been saved. And Francis Dixon took out a list of the people and said, well, here's some. Here's some. All around the world, people that have trusted Christ as their Savior. And I'm sure that list was very incomplete. But that little fellow, Frank Jenner, who died in the late 1960s, met that list, didn't he, when he got to heaven and saw the complete list. What I want you to know is this. Your witness may not seem effective right now. John the Baptist's witness seemed very ineffective at the time, didn't it? In fact, how did John the Baptist end his life? Was it in a blaze of glory at Israel's largest tent crusade? No. It was in obscurity in a prison beheaded by Herod. And he could look back over his life, perhaps, and say, I've tried, and I've tried to be truthful, and I've tried to point people to Christ, but I don't have a great deal of fruit to show for for my efforts. But, oh, the chapter hadn't been written yet. And what I want you to know is this. You may not have the ability others have in witnessing. You may not have the personality or the giftedness or the silver tongue or the way to talk to people, but God has particularly gifted you with a circle of influence, people who know your name, but they don't know Jesus Christ. And God will use you if you are faithful to him in pointing others to the one who can save them. I'm grateful to know that you can have the personality of a dead fish and still be a good witness. Isn't that wonderful? That you can be backwards and awkward, that you can have bad breath and a unibrow, and it doesn't matter that God can still use you to be a good witness. Now, our friend here is very faithful in handing out lifesavers, so you don't have to worry about bad breath. You can have good breath. But I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ is worth all that we have, all that we can to point other people to Him. He's the Savior. The gospel is the power, and He will use us in our frailty. He will use us in our inability, with our handicaps, And what a blessing to know that all who know the Lord Jesus Christ can be used for His glory to be a witness to point others to the Savior. Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.